right? All right, I'm in a series on breaking free, how you can break free from the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that are messing up your life. And today I'm going to deal with the subject on how to break an addiction or how to break a bad habit that is really messing up your life. I read an article on addictions this past week, and here's what the article said. Americans seem hooked on the idea of having addictions. These days, almost anyone might have an addiction, if not to drugs or alcohol, then to food or cigarettes or exercise or relationships or sex or shopping or work or video games, and the list goes on. Habits that were once called compulsions or just plain weaknesses, are now described as addictions. More than 200 different kinds of addictions now are dealt with by support groups in America. And it's true. We have our addictions. Millions of people are addicted to alcohol. Americans are over 2 billion pounds overweight. Hmm. What I want us to look at today is how to break free from an addiction or how you can break free from a bad habit that's messing up your life. Let's start with 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. And again, I've been in the Good News translation this week, so let me read it out of the Good News. They are slaves of destructive habits, for a man is a slave of anything that has conquered him. That's pretty plain and straightforward, isn't it? Anything that has conquered you, anything that has a hold of you, you become its slave. So yes, you are slaves to your bad habits and you are slaves to your addictions. Today we're going to find out from the Bible how we can break free from those addictions. It really doesn't matter what bad habit you have or what addiction you have. Every one of us in this room except for two of us. I've identified two of us that really don't have any bad habits. But all the rest of you, okay, the list is down to one. All the rest of you do have bad habits and addictions. When you break a habit, there is really three parts that come into play. There's a spiritual part, a physical part, and an emotional part. Today we're going to look at the spiritual aspect of it. What the Bible says about how we can spiritually break free from these bad habits that have control of us. Nine steps in God's Word. I lost, I lost 70% of you right there. Because you, you just heard that word nine. There's nine points to this message. Well, yeah, but we're going to get through in time. Don't worry. Nine steps from God's Word on how you break a bad habit. And we're just going to follow this little phrase, break free. Say that with me, break free. We're just going to spell the word out, B-R-E-A-K-F-R-E-E, and there's a point that goes with each one of those letters. Are you ready to break free? Let's do it. The B stands for begin today. Begin today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Have you noticed that more people are going on a diet tomorrow <laughs> than are going on a diet today? Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. So quit telling yourself, one of these days, 
One of these days I'll get to it. One of these days I'll break this habit. Stop procrastinating. It's going to be harder to change tomorrow than it is today. Because delay always makes a problem worse. So, what is your excuse? Why aren't you tackling that problem today? The person who really wants to change finds a way. The person who really doesn't want to change finds an excuse. So, begin today. I love the Bible verse that says, Today is the day of salvation. You know, God is saying, you know, quit messing up your life. Quit wasting your life. Don't go through another day the way you've been. Change today. And God can bring that change. Salvation is His. And He offers it to you today. God will give you the power today to start to change. So B, begin today. R, refuse to blame others. Now this problem is as old as Adam and Eve. Adam sinned, took it like a man, and he blamed the woman. Eve made me do it, he said. You know what? You'll, you'll never get better until you accept personal responsibility for your own life. I've got to admit that it's my problem. Now, this is my third sermon in this series on Break Free. And if you're taking mental note, you will remember that in all of my sermons, I've talked about this, okay? You've got to acknowledge that you've got a problem and that you are the problem. You have to admit this is my problem. Today I'm saying it to you like this. Refuse to blame others. Acknowledge that it's your problem. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 3 again in the good news. Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions. You understand why I've been digging on the good news this week? I mean, what better way to say it than that? Some people ruin their lives. They ruin themselves by their own stupid actions. Now, my wife always gets mad when I use the word, that S word from the pulpit. Don't use the word stupid. You know what? She's not here today. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. How many of you have ever done something really stupid that messed up your life? There it is, right there. Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions, and then what do they do? They blame the Lord. <laughs> so who are you blaming for your bad problems? You know, it was hip a few years ago for everybody to blame their parents. Well, I'm going to psychoanalyze my life, and the reason I have this problem is because I had sorry parents. They didn't know how to parent correctly. They made mistakes. You know what? They were doing the best they could. You know, what kind of a parent are you? I'm feeling it today, man. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid, yeah. Maybe you're blaming your husband or your wife or the teachers that you had or your children or your boss. or Maybe you're blaming the devil. The devil made me do it. When I was a little kid, man, I was mean when I was a kid, wasn't I? I was an ornery, mean, mama saying no, daddy saying yes. I was. I was mean. And I, I can remember when I was a little kid, I wanted this patch, and so my mama bought it for me. It was, in the, it was a patch you sew on your, your jeans, and it was in the, the shape of a stop sign, red with these letters, the devil made me do it. Yeah, no, I don't. I wish I did, Jason. 
You know what? Sometimes we give the devil way too much credit, you know? And then sometimes we just blame God for the bad life that we have or the habits or the addictions that are controlling us. To break free, I've got to assume responsibility for my own life. And when you blame, you're being lame. That's the way you spell blame, B-L-A-M-E. You're being lame, so quit it. In order to break a habit, you've got to quit excusing yourself and stop accusing other people. So B, begin today. R, refuse to blame others. E, examine your own life. Here's what you need to do this morning. You need to give and take a personal inventory. You need to do an internal audit. You need to have a frank evaluation. You need to ask yourself questions like this. Why, what are my weaknesses? How, how long have I had this problem? When and where am I tempted the most? Lamentations chapter 3 verse 40 says, Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Again, that's, that's one of those verses that's right in your face. Let us examine our life. Where have we messed up? And then let us turn back to the Lord. To change, I've got to stop pretending. I can't cover up all of my faults. I need to come face to face with my faults because denial prevents healing. Listen to what David said in Psalms 32. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. That's what addictions and habits will do. They'll dry up your life. This is what he said. I acknowledged my sin to the Lord. And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my life. That's the pattern we need to follow. God says just admit that you've got the problem. God says I know you've got it. (laughs) I see you doing it. Admit it. Evaluate your life. Realize that this is my problem. And then come to me. Come to me and I can give you the power to change. I will forgive you of your sin and I will wipe the guilt away. You need to do an evaluation. Today, right now, you need to do a personal inventory. Where are you? Where's this habit? Is Is this problem got a hold of you? Are you addicted to whatever it is? You know what? You you need to do this continually. I've discovered that healthy people are always evaluating themselves. They're always asking the question, am I slipping? Am I making it? Where in the world am I getting off course? Every week I sit down and I give myself one of these good talking to's. Will, what's going on, man? You know what? Are, Are you right there with the Lord? Are you doing the things you need to do? If you're off track, where'd you get off track? Here's the deal with most of us as believers in Jesus Christ. We just don't fall off the mountain. There is a slow drift that takes place in our life. It could begin with the simple problem of, of not having your devotions one day or not praying one day or skipping church for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden we're drifting away from God. And then before you know it, you're miles away from Him and this thing or this person has control of your life and there is now a wedge between you and the Lord. So keep short accounts with God. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. 
Examine your life. And then once you examine your life, you can come to the letter A. Ask Christ to take control of your life. You know, that's, that's what he's wanting to do. That's what he's waiting to do. That's why Jesus died on the cross and rose from the tomb. In order to help you with the problems you have in your life. Again, I think we've laid the foundation of this in the last two sermons, but, but let me just go back and review. You can't change your own life. You don't have the power to do that. You need a power that is greater than yourself to break you free from the bondage that has enslaved you. You can't change on your own power. So why not go straight to the power source? Jesus Christ, who's victorious over life, death, and even the grave. He is the only one who can give you the power to make a change and to break the addiction that has you enslaved. Romans 6 verse 12. Therefore, Paul said, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Really what he's saying is, that the solution to your addiction is to choose the right master. Every day, listen to me, you're gonna, some of you are going to disagree with this, but think it through. Every day you are controlled by something or someone. Well, I'm not, yes you are really. Other people control you. Other time schedules control you. Maybe it is drugs or alcohol or food that is controlling you, but you have got to serve somebody. In fact, if you really want to get down to the root of it, that's the way God made us. God made us to serve. So why not choose the right master? Really, that's where freedom comes. Instead of having somebody else control my life, you say, you know what? I'm going to give my life to God and I'm going to let God control me. That's where real freedom takes place. You don't let these other things control you. You let God control you. So, B, begin today. R, refuse to blame others. You know, you, you just accept responsibility. E, I examine my own life. And A, I ask Christ to take control of my life. Did you know that we have almost spelled the word break? We've got a K, don't we? Here's what the K is. Keep away from the temptation. After you've given the problem to Jesus and given Him control of your life, then you just stay away from the problem. You know what? You know what that is? That is just good old West Texas common sense right there. I mean, listen, if you don't want to get stung by the bee, stay away from the beehive. People in the first service didn't laugh at that either. I thought it was pretty funny, you know? You need to avoid the situations where you're going to be tempted. Romans 13, 14 out of Philip's translation says, Don't give any chances for the flesh to have its fling. <laughs> I kind of like that. Don't put yourself in any opportunity for the flesh to do its thing. Or as the New King James says, for the flesh to fulfill its own lusts. Don't put yourself in tempting situations. Don't go there. I mean, guys, listen to me. If you have a drinking problem, 
Don't get around people who are drinking. If you have a drinking problem, don't, don't have any booze in your house. I mean, if you have a problem with alcohol and you go to a restaurant that's serving it, sit away from the bar. I mean, avoid it. If I have a problem with lust, I don't, I don't go to newsstands or I don't look at that kind of stuff. I, I avoid those websites. And when I'm flipping through the TV channels, I block the stations who have provocative images on them. I don't let my eyes go there. Joe Grizzle was my pastor at, uh, when I was a student at Hillsdale. He married Angie and I. He's been my friend and mentor for years. He spoke to uh, my, our staff at a, at a retreat not long ago. And he talked about this very thing, about how he had made a covenant with God and with his wife, Billy Joe, that he would not allow his eyes to look on anything that is provocative that would cause him as a man to lust. You say, well, preachers don't do that. I mean... Preachers are men, okay? All men can have that temptation to lust. So here's what he did. He made this covenant. I'm not going to look at those images. Well, here's the story he told us. His grandson, his son's name is Ricky. I've known Ricky since he was a little kid. Ricky's stepson now plays for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a tight end. And so Brother Joe and Ricky went to several Dallas Cowboy games. But he said, you know what? I decided not to go to the Cowboy games anymore. Because they have this huge screen. <laughs> that is so enormous and so huge. You can't help but look at it while the game's going on. And he said, anytime there's a timeout or there's a break or there's a commercial. He said, they put things on this screen. And generally, they're putting the cheerleaders on the screen. Or these dancers that they have all through the stadium. And, and these, these women with hardly anything on are up there. And it's provocative. And it will cause a man to lust. So he said, what I found myself doing through most of the game is looking at my shoes. He said, I would have been better off staying at home watching it on TV. But guys, it just makes sense. You know, if I have a problem overeating, I don't need to, I don't need to move next door to a McDonald's. You know? If you have a problem overeating junk food, don't store up junk food in your house. You need to stay away from the things that are causing you problems. You just don't put yourself in situations where you know you're going to be tempted. The key to overcoming temptations is to decide in advance. You don't wait, teenagers, until you're in the back seat of a parked car on a dark Friday night to ask yourself the question, do I want to stay sexually pure? It's not the time to be thinking about that. I tell teenagers, if you don't want to get involved sexually before you get married, you need to plan out your dates. You'll either go by your plans or by your glands. One of them's going to win. You know, I, I feel tempted to say something here. You know, my daughter's about to turn 16. Surprisingly, boys are starting to come over. And, and, you know, I'm finding the best time to clean my guns. 
is in the living room. When those boys come over, I want to take them out on the river and have a talk to them like Phil had with... No, anyway, I won't go. <laughs> Ephesians 4.27. Great Bible verse. Ephesians 4.27. Do not give the devil a foothold. Don't crack the door of your heart or your life open to the devil because if you do, he's going to come in. Don't put yourself in those situations. You know what that may mean? That may mean that you need to pick some new friends. If your friends are bringing you down, do it, man. Find new friends. Find good Christian friends. It may mean that you need to change jobs. Oh, I could never do that. Let me tell you what. You can do it if you need to. It may mean that you need to move. The Bible says run from temptation. Flee from it. You avoid it. Get away from it. Most of us, when we flee temptation... We leave a forwarding address. Hmm? But the Bible says keep away from it. Burn those bridges. Do the smart thing and stay away from situations that tempt you. Now, that is the negative part of this, okay? Stay away from the situations that cause your downfall. The positive part is in the next letter of the second word, and that is the letter F. You need to focus on something better. Stay away from the bad stuff, but focus on something better. Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think, because your life is shaped by your thoughts. The Bible says that the spiritual battle for sin is fought right here, in the gray matter, between my ears, in my brain. And if you want to change your life, that's where it starts. Whatever captures my attention has captured me. The key to resisting temptation is to refocus that attention. Whatever you're, you concentrate on gets you. It's got a hold of you. I mean, I can prove this. How many of you have ever, ever been on a diet? You don't raise your hands. Have, but just, have you, anybody out there ever been on a diet? Okay, thank you, Ronnie. That was you, wasn't it? Okay. I know with this physique that you would never think I would have ever been on a diet, but I have, and I need to be right now. Here's the problem. Here's the reason I don't like diets, you know, uh, eating the right portions at the right times and all that kind of stuff. The more I concentrate on the diet, all I can think about is food. You know what I'm saying, man? I think about food much more when I'm on a diet than when I'm not on a diet. I, when I'm on a diet, all I'm consumed with is food. When am I going to get more food? Well, that's not the way you break a habit. The key is to turn your mind and your focus on something else, something that is better. The moment you are tempted, your mind needs to go somewhere else. You need to switch the channel. What do you focus on? Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, meditate on these things. Think on these things. Fill your mind with these things, things that are good things that deserve praise, things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and honorable. If there is any good report of the... You, you think on these things. Really, it's, it's the principle of replacement. You replace the bad thought with a God thought. That's why Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
You stop thinking about whatever it is you're craving or you want or your addiction is and you start thinking about God things. You focus on something better. All right? You with me? Let's go to the next letter, which is the letter R. Some of you aren't going to like this one, but it's necessary. You need to restore broken relationships. Now, why is this important? Well, anything that is out of control in your life is hurting somebody else. And generally, it's the people who are closest to you. When we have addictions, we manipulate other people to fulfill those addictions. We end up causing grief not only to ourselves, but grief to other people as well. And you need to make those things right. You need to go to people that you've hurt because of your bad habit and restore those relationships. Romans 12, 18, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all men. You, you take the initiative. You make things right. That may take some time, but you've got to take the initiative. Today, you need to make a list of all the people that you have hurt because of the habit that is consuming your life. And then you go to these people and you offer to them your forgiveness, ask forgiveness, offer restitution. And as much as your responsibility is, you make things right with those people. Now, folks, this is a hard step. Some of you don't want to do this step. Eh, I don't want to do that. But you got to. You've got to. You got to go back and admit to people that my problem has caused you a problem, that my guilt has caused your grief. The Bible says it's your responsibility, especially if they are another believer. You know what? Even if they are not a believer, you've got to do this so that you will not ruin your Christian testimony. You need to get that clear conscience so you can have God's power in your life to keep on going. So R, restore broken relationships. We're down to two letters, aren't we? Man, it just seems like we started a second ago. I may just make some letters up here, just a second. E, enlist the help of others. The eighth biblical principle in breaking free is to enlist a support group. We all need reinforcements, don't we? We need the support. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one. Because together, if one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. I, I love Louis Lamar's books. I'm reading the Sackett uh, trilogy here. Not a trilogy. It's a, it's a, I don't know how many books are in it. It's a long deal of books of just the Sacketts. And I'm, I'm on Jubal Sackett right now. Uh, he was out, uh, went across the Blue Mountains. He's out uh, finding new land. He's out there in the wilderness all by himself. Last night in chapter whatever it was, he stepped on this log that cracked and broke and he fell and he broke his leg. He's out there in the middle of nowhere, nobody around him, broken leg. He's got a few pieces of, of buffalo beef jerky, no water, no shelter, and he knows he's going to die unless he can find shelter, water, and a supply of food and be able to fix his broken leg. But you know what? Nobody's around. Nobody's around. I thought of this verse when I was reading Jubal Sackett last night. You know, that, that's the way it is. You need help. Come on, people. You need help. 
Jubal would have been a lot better off had he a buddy next to him. An Indian friend. I've already read the next chapter and sure enough the Indian friend finds him. But anyway. (laughs) It only makes sense. You know, he's really talking here in the book of Ecclesiastes about the law of diminishing intent. It goes like this. As time passes, our best intentions fade. You start out great in January... I'm going to eat right and exercise and get fit. Look like I did in high school. 28-36 instead of 36-28. But by February, (laughs) you're back to your old habits. Popcorn and root beer every night. Why? It's a cycle. You start out in humility. God, I can't do this. I can't make it. I need your help. God, you've got to help me. I've tried and I just keep messing up my life. God, please help me. And here you are, humble, aren't you? You're humble because you know you can't fix it yourself. And what did we find out last week? God gives grace to the humble. God can work through the life of someone who's humble. He gives you grace. What is that grace? Grace is the power to change. It's this big pipeline coming from God that gives you the ability to change your life. And so we're humble and we have the power. But after six months you start thinking, wow, look what I'm doing. I've done it. I've made it. And you get full of pride. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16 that pride leads to a fall. And you fall again. You're right back where you were. And secure, you cry out in humility, God, I can't do this, I need your help. And then you get God's power to help you. You know what? If you could just live in that humility where God is giving you the grace and you didn't have to revert back to the pride, you just lived in that, man, you could do it. But the moment you think, I've got this thing licked, you're in dangerous water. So how do you break the cycle? Well, you need support. You need friends, buddies, who are going to come alongside of you and pray for you and care for you and encourage you and keep you on track. When the law of diminishing intent takes effect, those people are there to spur you on because two are better than one. Because when you fall, your buddy's there to help you up. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins one to another and pray one for another so that you may be healed. We avoid that verse. We don't like that verse. Oh, I can confess to God, but I'm not going to confess to these people. Well, the Bible says that's how you break the cycle. You confess your sin and your weakness to somebody else, to a friend. Not just to God, but to a friend. And they come alongside of you and give you that support. Now, you know what? I'd pick my friends wisely at this point. You don't want busybodies and... and Gossipers, you know, they don't deserve your friendship, okay? Boy, that's another sermon, isn't it? Let me write that down, just go back and... <laughs> Pick somebody that you can trust, man. You know what? That, that really is the purpose of the church, is it not? The church is a support group to encourage each other and lift each other up. Every Christian needs to be in a small group setting. I mean, it's great to be here on Sunday mornings, but you know what? All I, You're just listening to me yell at you. Stupid. <laughs> Just seeing if you're awake. That's all. That's really all I'm doing right there. Angie, that's all I was doing, see if they're awake. You know, but you need to be in a small group with other people. 
There, there are no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians, man. You need to be in that small group where other people can pray for you and care for you and encourage you because we all have the same problems. We all deal with the same kind of stuff. And you need to find somebody in this fellowship who says, you know what, I've been there. I was just like you are. I was going through the same stuff, but God gave me the victory. Let me come alongside you and help you now. That gives you motivation to break out of the cycle of starting and stopping and, and hiding your hurt. And then when we have done these first eight steps, we can do step number nine. And that is, I extend myself to others. 2 Corinthians 1.4 out of the good news says, Christ helps us in our troubles so that we are able to help others in trouble using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. So here it is, God allows us to go through problems, even the ones that we bring upon ourselves, And then God helps us through those problems so that we can turn around and help other people who are going through the exact same problem that we have. Here's, here's the deal, listen to me. God wants to take your greatest weakness. God wants to take the thing right now that is messing up your life and turn you around, give you victory over it, and then make that your ministry. Wow. He wants to help you through this problem, to overcome the problem, to have victory in the problem, and then He wants you to take that victory and spur others on to victory. God never wastes a hurt. And so here's my prayer for you. My prayer is that some of you Today, a lot will come on. You say, man, I've been needing this because my life is pretty messed up right now. This bad habit, this addiction has got a hold of me, and I need, man, I need to break free. So God, thank you for giving me these nine steps. And, and today, you start the nine steps. You start today, right now. You begin today, and you break free. It's not going to be easy, okay? God's going to give you the victory, but there's, there's some pretty tough stuff you've got to go through. Right, Jason? I mean, it's, it can be tough going through some of this stuff. But God will give you the help. God will give you the strength. And you can do it. God did it. You and God together did it. I'm talking to Jason right now. Y'all can listen if you want to. This guy knows because the addiction of alcohol had control of his life and was ruining his life. But he broke free. How, how long have you been free? He's, he's not keeping count, but there it is, three years. Wow. My, my hope is that, you know, you're going to go through that process. You're going to begin today. God's going to give you victory. And then in a couple of years, you're going to come to me and say, Preacher, <laughs> I want, let me tell you what God did for me. And God has put this burden on my heart that I help other people. Would it be okay if I started a ministry in our church to help people who are going through whatever it is? You know what I'm going to do? Just go for it, man. Our resources are available. We want to help people conquer their addictions. Mm. When you take these nine steps, look what God does. One last scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God keeps His promise. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. At the time you are tempted, He will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you a way out. 
God says, I'm going to give you power to overcome that temptation, that habit. I'm going to provide a way of escape. But, but understand the limit to this promise. Okay, it's not going to be for everybody because not everybody is going to meet the requirements. You can't go out and say, you know what, I've got a problem with, with overeating and then sit down to a gallon of ice cream and say, God, provide a way of escape. God, i got this problem with lust, but I keep going back to the same old websites. You, you see, you can only claim the promise when you're following the principles. And with everything else I've said today, understand this. It starts when you turn everything over to Jesus Christ. Because as Jason testified, you can't do it on your own. It takes a power greater than yourself. But God makes that power available to you. So if you've never done it, today I invite you to come and invite Jesus into your life. If you humble yourself, He will give you grace and that grace can change your life. Secondly, if you're here today and you're a Christian, but you're still, man, you're still battling these addictions or these bad habits, come on, today let's start. Bring that problem to the altar and give it to the Lord. Begin the process today. You can leave different than when you came in. And then one final thing. Maybe you have somebody in your family who's just messing up their life royally with an addiction or a bad habit. You're watching this person that you love. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a, a cousin or a relative. Maybe it's just a good friend at work. And you're watching them every day destroy their life. You're seeing it happen. Listen to me, guys. You've got to care enough about that person to go to them and confront them with the love of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, who's going to? Do you really love them? If so, you're going to confront them. And you're not going to do it with an angry spirit and a, you know, you no good for nothing sinner. You're going to do it with the love of Jesus. You know what? I love you. I love you so much I, can't, I just can't stand here and watch you ruin your life. There's a better way. It's the way of truth. Jesus can set you free. But you know what? Sometimes it takes tough love. You can't keep supporting their addiction. You can't do it. And I'm telling you, that's hard when it's somebody we love. Because we think, you know what, if, 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 if I really love them, I'm just going to keep giving and giving and supporting. No, sometimes you, got, you can't do that. You can't allow them to keep on sinning and ruining their life. Now that's tough, isn't it? Wow. But in love, you've got to do it, man. And you've got to stay there with them. They, now, they might get mad. They probably will get ticked off at you. But you know what? You stay right there. And you keep praying. And you keep doing the right thing. Because you know what? Sooner or later, if you pray hard enough and long enough, God is going to do something in their life to wake them up. And when they wake up, guess where they're coming? They're coming to find you. Because they know you have the truth. And guess what the truth will do? 
It'll set you free. <laughs> and that's what we want. Amen? So come today and pray for those in your life that are messing up their life with an addiction.